And we're continuing on, uh, still in our book in Ephesians, on discovering, finding our true identity in Jesus. Really excited about this passage where we talked about uh, the fact that we have gifts that God has given us. And uh, let's uh, be thinking along those lines as Brother Ted reads our scripture this morning. This is uh, Ephesians 4, 9 through uh, 15. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly region? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the turning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, if you're here with us last Sunday, you heard about the idea of God desiring us to be unified, and you, you really see that continue to bleed through in this passage. But it's intriguing to me that, that Paul kind of turns a shift and he says, as you discover your identity in Jesus, it's not about what you do for him, but it's who he is in you. And I want you to think about this idea of spiritual gifts in that venue because when, I, when I've learned about spiritual gifts, it was you find Jesus and you learn about the thing that you do best and you go out and you do it to make Jesus happy. And that sounds like bondage to me. I don't know how you process that, but it's not about what I can do to you know, make sure God isn't mad at me. It's more of like when I was a kid, my dad um, started his own construction business. And he would uh, get up early in the morning and he'd get all his tool belts loaded in the truck and the saws and the hammers and all those things loaded up in the truck and, you know, had his blue jeans on and his T-shirt on. And, you know, remember the brick cell phones that were like that, that were like 10 pounds? He, he had one of those in the car. And, and there was nothing I wanted more than to go to work with my dad. Not so that he would say, man, you're such a good kid although he would say those things to me, thankfully. As a nine-year-old, I really wasn't expecting to get paid a whole lot. It was simply the fact that my father was involved in something that mattered to him, and I wanted to be a part of it. And I want us to look at this idea of the gifts that the Bible talks about in that vein. God has a mission. God has a plan. God has a work that he's involved in. And as, as his children, he invites us into his work. He invites us into his ministry, and we don't go into that empty-handed. 
I did on that first day on the construction site, and the first thing I did was I took that massive and I decided to pulverize my finger (laughs) because I just wasn't coordinated. God prepares us ahead of time for the work that he's going to call us and invite us into. And so we're going to look this morning together at, at a lot of different gifts in the Bible. I don't know how you have learned and heard about spiritual gifts, but the Bible has lists. The, uh, especially Paul's writing, he, he, was, he must have been part administrator because he was very organized in the things that were abominations. He was very organized in the things that were, um, were we would kind of think of them as deep, dark sins. And he wrote in several different occasions lists of the giftings that God has given us. And I don't want us to, to have the error of looking at one particular list and only going through that. And so I did a little of studying this week, and, and there are, I would say, at least a couple of dozen different examples of the giftings of God in the Bible. And so uh, if you're one of, and we're going to get to this later, if you're an administrator or, or an organizer, you already have your pen out and ready to write this down or going to quickly. But there are four places in the, in the New Testament specifically that talk about lists. If you want to go back later and look at them, you can write them down. One of them is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Paul lists some examples there of gifting. Later on in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, you see some more. Romans 12, 6 through 8, you see. And then our passage in, in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. But it really is this idea of, of the joy of joining in with the ministry and the mission of God not of figuring out the one thing that I can do in order to be happy in life, not about taking some kind of test so that I can finally be fulfilled, although I think that there will be happiness and fulfillment in coming into what God has given you. But it's not figuring out one thing in order to answer everything else. It's about receiving the invitation from Jesus to enter into what he's doing in the world in the ways that he's already gifted you to do them. Let me use this as an example. Paul doesn't really use music as a gifting. I don't know what he was thinking, Robert, when he just skipped over that. I mean, music is an amazing gift. Um, But if that was one of them on the list, uh, you know me, I would have not connected with that one at all. God does not give me a a gifting of music in a way that I could join with him in ministry uh, to help other people. That would just be one of those things I have no pressure on me to launch into that at all, but I'm grateful for the gift of music that God has given you so that as we come together or you lead us in worship, I feel closer to Jesus. I feel blessed by him. I feel encouraged and challenged by the music, by the gifts of others. I might become closer to God so that I could be involved in his mission. And so what Paul is saying, if you looked at the end of the passage that Brother Ted read for us, is as we, as we discover Jesus' love for us, and we discover his passion that we enter into his mission, then there is a maturity that happens in us, and he said it in that passage, so that we all grow closer to him, and when and, um, speaking in truth and love, we in all things grow up into him who is the head. We've been talking a lot in this series about discovering who we are in Jesus. Over and over and over again, Paul says it's in Christ that we learn about ourselves. It's in Christ that we grow closer to him. It's in relationship to Jesus that we discover the gifts that we have been given. And I'm so grateful 
that first time on the job site, my dad said, it's all right. I should have showed you ahead of time how to swing a hammer and, and maybe pick one that's your size. I think I had like a 12-pound hammer, and it was just a matter of time. God is loving, and he guides us. So there's a lot. I uh, told you that there's maybe two dozen. We're going to do 15 together. Are you ready? We're going to buckle in um, and, and try to, I'm sorry, 16. I knew there was one I was missing. So buckle up. These are, these are, these are ways that Jesus invites us in. And, and you may say from the first one, that's, I see that in me. Maybe not all the time, but I get that. I, you know, that's, part of, that's part of me. And thank God for that ahead of time, would you? Can we purpose when we go through this list to say, yeah, that, I see that in me. Thank you, Lord, for creating that, me that way. Thank you for helping me be there for people in that moment or that gift that you've given me to be a blessing to others. And if you don't see that gift in you, don't say, God, what are you thinking here? Because he's already prepared you for the work that he's called you to do. So the first thing we see, we're, well, the first one we talk about is the gift of wisdom. Some of you have the gifts of wisdom in this, and you hear about something that's going on in somebody's life or made a decision that a church is going to make, and one of your thoughts was, well, I have some cautions about that. I'm not sure that's uh, fitting with the gospel. I'm not sure. Maybe we should think about that. Maybe we should pray more about that. It's not this pessimistic, oh, that's crazy, that's stupid. doesn't sound wise, but we need to slow down and pray about this. I've met with New Life Friends Church, a ministry point. It's a friend's ministry point just down the and they're looking for a pastor. And they have a leader there. Some of you probably know him. And he had a guy in mind that he was just like pushing him hard as the next leader of their pastor of their church. And the general superintendent was there. He asked me to come alongside just to kind of be there to walk through this experience with him. And he just, no one could get a word with him edgewise and because he wanted and anything else. And then one of the um, elders in the church said, you know, we really need to take some time and wait on the Lord. And there was so much wisdom in that. It wasn't a resolution. It wasn't the answer. It was for this moment in time, we need to, we need to think differently than just ramming this through. And I don't know if you've had ever someone to come to you when you're on the cusp of making a really important decision. Maybe financially you feel pressured or relationally you feel pressured or maybe the burdens that you're holding will be released if, you, if you're able to make that decision. It's along and says, why don't you take 30 days and wait? I don't like that. I'll just be honest with you. I just like, I want to get that done. There is so much wisdom that God has given to others. And I'm grateful for the, our elders at First Friends Church that I can go to them. And, and our church has done such a great job of, of electing people of wisdom who aren't wanting to rush into things and just to make rash decisions, but to be prayerful and to be considerate of the, of the, of the word of God, most of all. Let God's word rule and minister over us. And some of you have this gift, and, and people know it. People sense it in you, and so they come to you when they have a decision to make, and maybe they don't always talk to you about certain things, but when it's big time, they know they can go to you because you have the gift of wisdom and maybe even of waiting. Another gift that the, gifting that the Bible mentions is this idea of knowledge. You love to study. You love to research. You love to, to think things through. You love to have all the angles. You have to love to have all the information, and you're not going to make a decision until you've seen all the facts. And you're surrounded by other people who, who don't want all the information, right? 
You're surrounded by people who may not be able to get all the information because it's not their gifting. They just need two ideas and they're gonna run either way with it. Church or in the group. Or in the and so you look at the laws of the city and you look at the codes and, and you look at what other people have done in the same kind of scenario and, and you do all the research and then you come back to the group and you say, well, these are five things that I figured out that we hadn't thought of before um, and we need to think about them. And there had been no one else in the church who had the patience to do that research. There had no one else who wanted to take the time to think it through the way that you have. And you might call, other people might call yourself a nerd. The Bible calls you gifted. With the gift of knowledge. You want to know things before you believe them. You want to understand things in a wholesome way before you make a decision. And that's a gifting of knowledge that God has given us. There's also a gift of faith. And just be careful here, we all should have faith, right? We all should have the gift of faith that leads to salvation. But we're, taking, we're, we're making the assumption that we've already made those decisions to accept Jesus into our heart, to believe in him. What I'm getting at here is that when there's something dark in your life or there's something exciting in your life, it's one of those big moments, Right? ready to happen. You're going you're gonna to quit your job and start a new one. You're going you're gonna to sell your You're going to quit renting and buy, or you're going you're gonna, to, you get the, a message from the doctor that's really disturbing, and, and you, you immediately think of a person who has a gift of faith in your life, and you're going to call mom, or you're going to call grandma, or you're going to call the pastor, or a friend, or someone who, who is this rock solid in their life, and you're going to call them, and you're going to pour out your heart to them I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I feel about this. What is going to happen? And this person will say something like this to you. God has everything under control. God sees things that you would never be able to see. God knows the future, and he holds you in your hands. It's going to be all right. God is going to work out things in your life. And there's a gift that certain people have, this gift of faith that, that we go to them. I can think of people in life and when I don't have the answers, and, and, and I know they don't have the answer, but they have the faith to help me believe in God until he shows me his answer. They just have a faith that, that is rock solid. It is grounded. It is firm in their life, and you've seen it. The battles that they've faced and the struggles that they've been through, their faith only grew stronger through adversity or pain. And we're drawn because of the gift of faith in their life. Fourthly, we try to go through this quickly. There's a gift of healing. The gift of healing. I don't mean that you go to them and they touch you and and you know your cold goes away like that. Or if you have you know a limp, you go to them and they put their hands on you and instantly you are healed. I'm not talking about Benny Hinn in the flesh or anything like that. I'm talking about someone that you can go to that will offer grace, offer peace, offer love. But at the same time, there's something about their relationship with Jesus that leads to times where people's lives are changed. I can think of a lady named Mary at our first church in Marion, Ohio. And we got there shortly after we moved there, and we found out that she had stage four cancer. And, you know, it was like my second day there. And I didn't know anybody from anyone, and and someone stood up in church, and, and it sounded really bad, and that's about all I knew. And there was a lady just across the pew from her, maybe five or six people away, who stood up and said, 
I believe that God has the power to heal Mary. Let's all pray. Can I tell you that everyone closed their eyes? <laughs> no one said, hey, I don't right. You're, that's, you're mistaken. There was something about her ministry, her giftiness in that church, that when it came to someone who was hurting or who was sick or who was struggling, her faith went immediately to the fact that Jesus can bring all kinds of healing into our life. And you just are drawn to her because, or him, because when it comes to pain or sorrow or sickness, there's something about them that, that trusts in the fact that God redeems. Trust in the fact that Jesus changes things. Trust in the fact that God has you in his hand. And they have that gift of healing. Some people would say that's their doctor. <laughs> no, well, maybe. Fifthly, this morning, this kind of goes along with wisdom, but there's people who have the gift of discernment. There's people that have the gift of discernment, and, and I'm, I'm really looking here at, 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 at doctrine and the word of God. We live in a culture today that, that glorifies gray. They want everyone to move to this middle gray where there's no white and there's no black. And somehow if we can all get meshed into this spiritual cavern, I would say, then everyone's gonna feel okay. No one's gonna feel like their lifestyle is wrong. No one's gonna feel like their decisions are bad because if we all just make our own decisions for ourselves, then we're all gonna feel right about ourselves. And can I tell you, that's a lie. How many times can you look back on your life and like, man, I really messed up. And there's a reason for that. There's a standard of right and wrong. And there are people in our church who have this gift of discernment. They understand what God has said. They understand what God has written and that those, those are things that can't be changed because of our culture. Those are words that can be altered because of the times that is a, a, a eternal standard that God has given us. And they have a level of discernment that moves beyond the language of our times that, that pulls the church into this idea in so many different ways of, of letting the Bible take second place to emotions. Letting the Bible take second place to experience. I read someone something the other day that, uh, that someone posted and it basically said that the Bible has to take second place to anything else that forms opinions in our And I'm so grateful there's people in our congregation who would say, no way. They have discernment to know that God words, God's word was written to, to direct every area of our life. That God's word alone is to be the eternal light in our path. Six, this morning we have the gift of teaching. And we see that in, in all but one of the lists that I mentioned to you earlier. You, uh, if you're a teacher this morning, you love to, to share your knowledge with other people. Especially when it comes to spiritual things, but, but you're happiest when you're telling other people about what you know. Now some of you call that the gift of a strong opinion. And you know some people like that. They don't come across those teaching. They come across as, well, you're stupid unless you believe the way I do. That's not a teacher. A teacher is the one who comes alongside young and old and, and understands where they are in their life and then says, I feel called to, to, to come alongside, to understand who they are and where they are and, then, and help them to grow from there. 
It's not that they just get up on Sunday morning and tell everyone that they think. Any one of you who have who've been in a classroom and have a favorite teacher, was that all they did for you? Was this give you your spelling test on Friday afternoon? They reached into your heart. They reached into your family. They, they were able to touch a place in you that forever changed you when you still remember their name. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, you still remember the things they did for you. They, they taught you by their example. They taught you by their desire to influence your life. They taught you by being there for you when maybe no one else was. And they certainly imparted to you as much knowledge and wisdom And the church needs teachers who want to reach into our lives and bless us with the things that God has blessed them with. Number seven, we're almost halfway through. There's the the one that we would just call gifts and helps. These are the people that just, they know what you need and they're going to be there. Aren't you grateful for these people? They may not be the forward thinkers who are out there on the the visionary task force thinking of the eight things we need to do for the next five years. They're the ones who are gonna come to me on Monday morning and say, Pastor, I wanna make a difference to somebody's life. Is there somebody that needs something right now that I could do for them? Or they may come to you after hearing your prayer request and say, is there anything that I can do for you? And it's not that they're trying to manipulate you. It's not that they're trying to make Jesus happy by doing something. It's it's who they are. They want to be there for you and to help you. I I think that I see a lot of this in in Levi. I see some other things too, but I see this. Because he'll come to me almost every day when I get home from the office or during the summer, he'll be coming to the office a lot. Hey, Dad, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything that you need? And that's such a blessing to have people like that in your life when you're you're busy working, when you're busy living, when you're busy helping other people, to have someone to come to you and say, hey, I care about you. Just, Just stop everything. Is there anything that I can do for you? I hope that you have someone that in your life. And and moreover, I hope that you honor their giftings by giving them an answer that will help them fulfill their calling in their life. I hope that Levi's never come up to me and say, hey, Dad, is there something I, I could do for you? You want to drink a water? Or uh, can I go steal another M&M's out of Cheryl's stuff? Um, presumably for me, but he usually it's half eaten by the time he gets it to me. No, I don't have time. No, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And that just that kind of buries that gift. When, when someone comes to you and offers to help, uh, help them live into their gifting, into their calling by thinking of a way that they could be a blessing to you. We all need these people in our life that they're just, they're just there to serve and to help. They don't want to be noticed. They don't want to be called out. In fact, a lot of times they would die if someone called them up in front of the church and said, we are so thankful for all the things that you do, but they are there every day. The doors are open doing what they are called to do. They have the gift of helping and of serving of God cannot go on without you. And I'm so grateful for those people in our life. There's others who have the gift of administration or organization. And we certainly need those people in our life. I know that I do. I can remember um, growing up with Jonathan, nine months younger than me. Um, we actually went to the same church on different Sundays and we looked so much alike that they thought the first Sunday it was him and the second Sunday it was me. And then the next Sunday, uh, 
the first Sunday he came by himself, the second Sunday I came by myself, and the third Sunday he came by himself, and we didn't, they didn't know if we were twins or what. But I tell you, go into our bedrooms at 16 years old, and you would know who was who. <laughs> My cousin had everything in its place. All of his pants were folded neatly, crisply, sharply, where his pants go. All of his shirts were either hung up neatly together or folded crisply together. And his working tools, he always knew where his drywall tools were. And during the time that I lived with my dad, I never knew where all my tools were. There was always somebody that had run off somewhere. And uh, I definitely knew that it wasn't in my... And it, he had the gift of administration, of organization. And, and he, he just, he had that down. And so if something needed planned, something needed done, people knew that they could go to him because he would have his list made. It was important to him, above all else, that it be done in order and with good taste. There would be a plan. There would be steps to finish out that plan. And that was his gift. And the church needs people that have things things together, a plan made, things figured out, steps that need to be taken in our family, in our homes, and in our church. And we have that gift of administration or organization. And the church without that is just going to run around chasing its own tail and never accomplish anything. There's also, number nine, the gift of evangelism. Now, here's another one that that each and every one of us should be a part of, right? Now, I can think of people in my life who just naturally ooze Jesus. You know people like that? They can't even help themselves, right? Every conversation, it's, it's, oh, I'm so thankful for his love. Wow, Jesus is watching over you. And the rest of us go, wow, yeah, okay. They just, they just, they have the heart of an evangelist. They go to the grocery store, and the people in front of them at the grocery store, instead of doing a lot of times, they go, oh, they got a lot of groceries. I hope they hurry up. Or the other side of it is only have five items. Yes, I'm going to get out of here before too long. They're like, looking at their, kind of off to the side, looking at their features, trying to see if they're happy or sad. Or maybe they've already come to the line praying for a way for them to be able to minister and and talk about Jesus with them. And, And their perspective is wired around other people knowing how much God loves them. And the church needs evangelists. But we all think about the act and the work of evangelism. But people just have this burning fire inside of them. And they don't even have to try a lot of times. It's a gift that God has given them to breathe and ooze the love and the mystery and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have people in our midst who are passionate soul winners for God and let them be an inspiration to the rest of us that we are too. Even though it may be our strongest gift, remember that through acts of service, we evangelize. Through getting things organized, we allow the work of evangelism to be organized and fruitful, and go back down the list of the different ways we all come together to piece the puzzle of the message of the gospel together because of all the different that God has given us. Number 10, there's also in the Bible the idea of, the, the idea of a pastor or a shepherd. And the, the, the idea in this section is those things kind of wrap together. There are some people in our midst um, that, that just naturally come alongside and help guide and protect. They hear about something that's going on Maybe the doctor called and things are not okay. And, and they just are drawn to you to come alongside and I want to pray for you and I want to be there for you. And, and we're going to go through this together. And every church needs those, those people. And, and it should obviously be exemplified in your pastor. But it's not, the Bible says, 
This doesn't say anything about it being a paid position. This is a spiritual gift that God gives to some of us to just come alongside and, and help people. And I want you to, as we continue to work through this section together, to be thinking about the different ways that God has done these things through you. You may have never realized before that you have some of these gifts, but then you look back and, yeah, when I heard about that person and their need, my first thing was to go to them and pray for them. God has given you a gift of shepherding. You, you want to be there for other people, and, and we need you. We need you to live into that. We need you to own that and thank God for that and be willing to be used by him in powerful ways. Along with number 11, people who have the gift of encouragement. I thought about these people, and, and these are the people on Sunday morning, these are the people I want to see the most. Now, it's no offense to the rest of you. Well, I have to say this, Virginia with her cookies is one of the first people I want to see. The gift of honesty wasn't listed on here, but I need to make sure that's there. These people have this this natural optimism, this natural gift of of no matter what's going on in their life or their world, they're positive, they're they're forward-thinking, they're encouraging, and no matter what's going on in their life or in yours, you know that you're going to go to them and you're going to be blessed. And aren't you grateful for people like that in the church and in your family? I can remember, I'm sure I've talked about him before, uh, our three churches ago. This guy was on kidney dialysis, I think 24-7. He had this machine in his room, and he was 89 years old and, and on hospice care, and no one knew how long he had to live. But we, I'd walk into the room. He literally lived a block around the block from the church, so I could go there as often as I wanted, which the more I got to know him, the more frequently I went there. And and he was, I'd walk in the door. He lived by himself most of the time. And so I just knocked and walked right in. And I'd come uh, through the entryway and, and turn into his living room. And he'd be there all smiles with all these tubes up. Pastor, God love you. It's see you. How are you? Before I even had a, a chance to talk with him, he was already reaching out to me. And before I could get a chance to ask him how he was doing, he had already spent 15 minutes at how I was. And speaking into my life that God was powerful and God was alive and God was there with me. And his, his example spoke volumes to me. Chained to his couch, chained to these tubes, knowing that his life would soon be over. The only thing he cared about was encouraging me. And I'll always remember that example of this gift that God had given him. Even when life was going downhill, he just naturally blessed other people. And I'm so grateful for the people in our life that are like that. Number 12, some of us have the gift of giving and alongside the gift of acts of service. But we can be just going along just fine, doing our thing until we hear that somebody needs something. The church has a need, a family has a need, a neighbor has a need, the community has a need, the person across the street, the first thing you go is, oh yeah, that's me. I'm gonna do something about it. You don't call the pastor and say, hey, pastor, we need to do something. Say, I want to do something. But the fact of the matter is, is when you hear about someone who has a need, your heart is immediately drawn to what you can do about it. And we're not all wired that way, and that's not wrong. God gives us a conscience in our giftings in others' way, in other ways. But those of you who have the gift of giving, you're like, about that. And usually it's something that you want to do quickly. So grateful for that in our life, and in our world. Number 13, there's people who have the gift of leadership, and it's kind of a branch off of administration, but 
you all also know people who are naturally born leaders. When you think of something going on in your world, it may be your dad, it may be your mom, it may be someone that you think of that isn't here any longer. They just were, they were just always strong. They were always looking forward. They were always had things in control. They always knew where they were going. And, and we need people in our, in our church, in our families, in our world who, who have all those things figured out. You love to mobilize people for a cause. You love to bring people together to get things done. You have somewhere you want to go and you want other people to bring you, to bring along. I, I think it was John Maxwell who said, leadership is best defined by influence. Does that sound right, John? Leadership is influence. Leadership isn't necessarily telling everyone else what to do and how to do it, right? Leadership isn't always steps and making sure everyone else follows your steps. Leadership is about learning the giftings of other people and inviting them to come alongside of you in order to accomplish a mission in the world. Leaders are people in the church who understand the giftings that God has given to each and every one of us and then bring us all alongside to together accomplish the work and the mission of the gospel. Leaders aren't dictators. Leaders, the Bible says, Paul, many times, I'm a servant. Yet a servant who is aware and astute of the people around him. Number 14, we're getting close. There's the gift of mercy. My uncle Tim was like this. He started a drywall business after, right after my dad, or right before my dad did. And every time, and it kind of went along with the idea of giving. Um, if Janine here was here, I'd use her as an example. Anytime someone comes to her work and they tell her that they have a need, she just immediately, I have to help them. Even at sometimes their own danger. Even sometimes at their own, it may affect them in a negative way. My uncle Tim would go and he would get called to these job sites. We usually did uh, house remodels. And uh, sometimes there'd been a fire. Sometimes there'd been a water leak. Sometimes they were just adding on. Um, but a lot of times, our, a lot of our work was insurance work where some kind of damage had been done. And uh, to his own detriment, he would, he would even say to this day, many, many times I would lower my price because I felt bad for what they'd been through. And many, many times, if there was something else in the house that, that needed fixed and we had the ability to do it and it wasn't some huge monstrous thing that would take months, he would ask them if he could help them with that at no cost. And there's just something he demonstrated in his life, and I'm sure still does to this day, of seeing someone and being just kind of overwhelmed with the desire to, to be a blessing to them in their pain or discomfort or situation that they are in. And it's a gift of mercy that just offers grace when things are awkward, things were hard, things are difficult, and, and they're just there to offer peace and purity and a blessing to those around them. You see how many of these are intertwined, wisdom and knowledge and discernment and giving and the gifts of, of helping and serving all can be wrapped together. Number 15, we got two more and we're done. Then we get the gift of closing the service which you might put at number one, I don't know. There's the gift of hospitality. Many times in the Bible, the Bible talks about this gift as a way that God's people, who may feel like they have no other gift, feel blessed by making things and people around them feel welcome and appreciated and the atmosphere conducive to what was happening around us. One of the churches I went to, I don't think there was anyone who had the gift of hospitality for two reasons. We, we really struggled to welcome people, and the place always looked kind of dingy. 
And I thought one morning, I was like, I don't know that any one of us have the gifts of hospitality. How do you advertise for that? (laughs) I didn't find the answer to that one. I'm so grateful here at First Friends, we have many people who are gifted with this idea of hospitality. And it can come out because you love to decorate. It could come out as because you just, you can't wait for someone to walk through that door. Maybe that you know and you know they've been having a hard time. Or maybe they're new and they've never been here before. And you have just been dying all morning since you woke up to help them to know that Jesus loves them. Help them to know that first friends love them. Help them to know that this is a place that people can come and be blessed and be trusted and be honored and, and be and be loved on. And as a pastor, this is one of those that's up there at First Friends that I see. Many of you have this gift. You are just blessed with the ability to let other people know, even though you don't know much about them, even if you may think they look weird, you don't tell them that, you keep it in. Thank you for doing that. You just let them know that and that they matter. There's an incredible gift. Now remember, Jesus had the two sisters, right? who had, I mean, Jesus was in their home. And one of them was so worried about all the doings and the fixing, everything had to be just right, and and they may have overdone the hospitality thing just a little bit. Because the other one had been involved in some of those things, but then all of a sudden, she was reminded of what really mattered. It was, was dwelling in the presence of God. So I think of the one sister who kind of, in her gifting, got so distracted by performance that she was a distraction to everyone around her. It was good things that she was doing. They were important things, but Jesus had to say, chill, girl. Peter's paraphrase. Probably don't have that in your version. Definitely don't have it in your version. But the other one was just Jesus' feet. Finding her place in the world and her giftings that God had called them to. All right, last, the gift of prophecy. And I, I, uh, I'm hesitant to go deeply into this because there's so many examples in our world today of this being taken out of context, taken too far, exaggerated in so many ways. But friends, there are thousands of promises in the Bible, amen? There are thousands of promises in the Bible. And sometimes it might be, I know sometimes, so hesitant to just tell God what he's doing that I forget to claim and says that God has made for me. And so I have friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord who can come to me and say, hey, Pastor, what God said about it. You just need to believe that he's gonna do what he said. Can we all say amen to that? We need people to speak that kind of prophetic truth into our life. Now, if they come to you and say, hey, brother, Jesus is coming back in 2024. We better get ready. That's not what I'm talking about. But if they come to you and say, God has promised to never leave you or forsake you, and even though you feel alone, can I promise you right now, you have never been alone and you never will be? People to just speak that arrow right into us, that we need to be reminded that God will never leave us. God provides for us. God has saved us, and we have eternal life to look forward to together. Really quickly, wrapping all of this up, God has given each and every one of us, maybe one, maybe two, maybe you'll look at the list and go, man, I got 16 out of 16, that's pretty good. And next time we'll preach on humility and we'll, we'll bring you back down to earth. I hope that some of you, that everyone saw something in that list that was like, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. 
You may have never thought of it as I do that well, but it was like, that's what I do. That's who I am. That's what I love. That's what other people have said about me. The beautiful thing about this is Paul wrapped this passage by saying, God's desire is to bring us all back together in unison as one. And we don't do that by looking at somebody else's gifting and say, man, God could really use me if I was just like them. Uh, No, God purposely chose you not to give you that gift because of the attitude that you just portrayed. God has chosen to give you the giftings that he's given you so that as we all come together, it's like different pieces of a puzzle. They would never be able to fit themselves together except that God has already painted each individual's picture on that piece of the puzzle. And we come together as a church and he connects the dots. He puts the wedges in the right place and the openings fit together. The smooth places go around and the hard pieces connect. And the picture of the church joins together as we live into and lean into the gifts that God has given us, not in order to accomplish something for God, but out of our deep love to live his mission and share in his mission in the world around us. Friends, you are gifted this morning, amen? We're gonna have the worship team come and now I'm gonna quit. I know that's the best gift I could give you today. But we're gonna sing a song I haven't sang in a long time, but I was trying to think and pray about a song that would invite us into this invitation, lead us into the invitation of joining with sing together before we go.